0: And um, I bet your title, this message um, should come up in a minute. I'm not called ruined by, sin. Yeah, a, a life or a testimony, a testimony ruined by sin, or a life ruined by sin. But let me stick with a testimony ruined by sin. See, last week we looked at the people of Israel rejecting the Lord, as their king, and they chose for themselves a a human, fleshly king. That's what they wanted. And, um, And the reason why they did that is because they wanted to be like everyone else that was around them. All the nations that were around them had a physical king and they didn't, and they wanted to be like the others. That's a dangerous place to be. I mean, if you like... And you want to be like others. It's a dangerous thing. On a Saturday night, you want to be like those around you, behaving like fools. And so you behave like a fool as well, because you want to be like those around you. And then you come to church on a Sunday morning, and they all look nice and washed and clean and sober, and say, I want to be like that. Dangerous. You want to be like Christ all the time. That's where you want to be. Instead of want to be like those around you. And so, that was last week. This week we are going to look at this man, this king, called King Saul. And I want to look at him in this regard. His testimony was ruined by sin. And I want to ask you, a question. I want to ask myself a question. I want to ask the passage a question. How can I ruin my life? How can I ruin my testimony? I stand up here before I get baptized and I give a testimony and I say, This was what I was like before I met Christ. And then now I met Christ. I'm being baptized. I want to tell you, everyone, how I've changed. But as I go forward, something can ruin me. Something can destroy my testimony. What is it? That's the thing that we want to ask ourselves this morning. And I've got four things, looking at this man's life. Four areas where our lives can be ruined. Our testimony can be ruined by sin. So let's go to work. And the first one I want to bring to you is pride. It's amazing how men and women love to honor themselves. Saul was sent on a mission. And he was sent on a mission to the Amalekites. That's what we read. Um, and here we have it there. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. So it's wrong. Let me just go back. He went to meet Saul and he told Saul, he said to him, Saul, go down to the Amalekites and destroy them. Why? Because when my people was coming out of Egypt, the Amalekites waited for the weak ones, those who were behind, and they came and they destroyed women and children, and they killed people from behind, the Israelites, and now my judgment is coming on them. Go and carry out That mission. That is what God told Saul to do. And so Saul went down and he he did what, um, what he was meant to do to a certain extent. And after the battle, we read these words. Sorry. After the battle, we read these words. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told that Saul had gone to Carmel. What was he going to do in Carmel? There he had set up a monument in his own honor. That's what he did. He had a battle. He went down to Carmel and he set up a monument to himself. I don't know what a monument was. I don't know, it could be a statue of himself or something grand or or, or whatever it was. He had something where people would walk by and would say, you see that monument right there? There is in honor of King Saul. And King Saul set himself up as someone to be praised. Well, the Bible tells me something about pride. Look what it says. Pride... Goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride is a dangerous thing and pride goes before destruction, the Bible says. In fact, when Jesus was talking about the roads, I remember I mentioned it the other week. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Why do men end up in hell? That's the question. Why do men and women end up in hell? Is it because that God is is cruel? God is horrible and nasty, and so therefore he throws people into hell? Is that why men and women end up in hell? Certainly not. He's not saying that he's a wrathful, angry God who will throw men and women into hell. So the question is, why do men and women end up in hell? I'll tell you why. They end up in hell because of pride. They will not accept the fact that they could be wrong about life. They wouldn't accept the fact that they could be wrong about why we're here. Wrong about where we're going. Wrong about God. Oh, they say, oh, there's no God. That's why I believe God does not exist. He's not important. And when you tell them that you're wrong, pride comes in and say, no, I'm not wrong. I'm sure that there's no heaven and there's no hell. Pride. You tell a man he's a sinner, He doesn't want to hear it. You tell him that he's not pleasing God. He doesn't want to hear it. You tell him to say sorry and to repent from his sins. No, he said, I won't repent. I won't say sorry. I'm not wrong. Pride. That's why people will end up in hell. Not because God is cruel and horrible. No, no, no. They will end up there because of pride. Well, not only is that true of non-Christians, you know it's true of Christians as well, with pride. Pride is a dangerous thing. Pride was found in Satan's heart. That's where pride was found. If you ever come across a proud Christian, if you ever come across a Christian who is proud... I want to tell you, run for the hills. They will never admit that they're wrong. They will never admit that they said something that was unkind. They will never apologize. They will never say sorry. Because even Christians can ruin their testimony because of pride. It's an ugly thing. And when you meet a Christian who's proud, arrogant boastful. Their testimony is ruined. Look what God says. God says this. These are the ones I look on on with favour. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. This is the man I favour, says God. This is the man I will respect. This is the woman that I will bless. A woman, a man who is humble And contrite at heart. Or listen to David when David speaks in Psalm. My sacrifice, oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. God, you will not despise. My dear friends, sometimes God will have to break you to make you humble. It's not nice being broken. But sometimes God will have to bring you to a place where He can break you and make you weep and cry and come before Him. Why? Because humility is so important in your life. A humble man, a humble woman is what God seeks for in you and in me. And James comes up and James says, But He gives grace. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud. But shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And he will lift you up. You can ruin your testimony. By pride. And sadly so many Christians do. They go around the church and they they act as if they know it all. They never say sorry. Even though they may be right to never go over and and try to to, to speak to someone and and try to encourage them. No, pride is in their heart. It ruins and God opposes you if you're proud. But if you're humble, God lifts, lifts you up. So pride is something that we need to avoid. That can ruin your testimony. What else can ruin your testimony? Well, here's another thing that can ruin your testimony. Disobedience can ruin your testimony. Disobedience. So we come to this man, um, King Saul. And King Saul um, was told to do uh, what God wanted him to do. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they, when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. And Saul was the one who was sent to do that. But what did he do? Saul and the troops spared Agar and the best of the sheep and cattle, as well as the young rams and the best of everything else. They were not willing to destroy them. So what he did is he went to battle and he destroyed everything that was weak, everything that he didn't like, everything that wasn't nice. He destroyed it. But he saw some fat cows and some, some sheep and, and and he saw the, the wonderful luxuries that they had in that area. And he said, Oh, no, 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 no. Spare those. We won't kill those, we'll keep them for ourselves. But everything else that's worthless. Destroy them. And he took for himself what was good. In short, he disobeyed God. And this is what Samuel said to him. He says, this. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. Hear what God is saying. You have got sacrifices. You have got lambs and these things you want to get. No, no, no. I don't want these things. What I really want from you is obedience. That's what he's saying. To obey is better than anything else. That is what I want. You know, you're only... Say you're only a Christian if you obey the gospel. Do you know that? You're only a Christian if you obey. Because this is what the word of God says. But thanks be to God, that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have obeyed the gospel. That's the only way you enter into God's kingdom. You enter into God's kingdom by obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. But obedience does not stop there. Some people may turn around and say, Oh, I've become a Christian. I've obeyed the gospel. But I don't need to obey anything else. I don't need to obey the Ten Commandments. That's for the Jews. No, 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 no. I don't need to um, obey um, God's every word. No, no, no. That's for the Old Testament. I'm under grace, they said. That's what I am. I'm under grace. So therefore I can live as I please. But dear friends, that is not true. Listen to what Jesus says. He says this. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Anyone who loves me will keep my commandments. Now I know that God, I know that Jesus loves you. How do I know that Jesus loves you? Well, the Bible tells me that he loves you and he shows that he loves you by dying for you. I know that he loves you. I know that he loves you because he's praying for you. I know that he loves you because he's watching over your life. I know that he loves you because he's gone to prepare a place for you. And when he finished preparing it, he will come back and take you for himself. I know that he loves you. The question is, how do you know that you love him? That's the question. How do you know that you love him? Oh, you say, I love him because I sing songs saying I love him. That's not good enough. How do you know that you love the Lord Jesus Christ? I'll tell you how you would know. By obeying and keeping what he says. That's the only way you can prove that you love him. Lord, I love you. I'm not perfect, Lord. I stumble often. I fall. I make mistakes. But oh, God, my desire is that I will do what you want me to do. I like what Grant prayed last week. When he prayed, Lord, give me a desire to hate the things that you hate, Lord. I want to hate the things that are wicked and sinful and corruptible and corruptible. I want to hate these things. But Lord, I also want to love. The things that you love. That's the only way that you can absolutely be sure that you love the Lord Jesus Christ. Not by words. But by what you do. And so obedience is so important. If you do not obey God, if you do not attempt To obey his word. And I mean attempt. Because none of us actually obey God to the right standard. We all stumble. We all fall. But we should be on the road. Walking that way. And even though we stumble and fall. Our desire. Our heart's desire. Is to obey the Lord. If we don't do it that way. I'm telling you my dear friends. Your testimony will be ruined. Someone will see you. God will see you in your secret place. Ah, oh, you come on the outside and you come all, all well prepared for church and God's service, but in your secret place, God will see you disobedient. And I want to tell you that will ruin your testimony, it will seep out. Before you know it, others will see that your testimony is fake, it's not good. Let's move on to my third. You see already that, you know, pride can come in and ruin your testimony. Disobedience can come in and ruin your testimony. Thirdly, what else? Jealousy. Here we have this king Saul. And this king was rejected. God said to him, look at you. I've called you on a mission And you didn't do what I asked you to do. Now I've rejected you as king. And God sent Samuel to find someone else. And and, and Samuel went out and he he found another young man. And and, and you know who he found, didn't you? Um, He he finds David, the, the young shepherd boy. And he is going to be king in the place of King Saul. But Saul didn't like him. Saul became jealous. In fact, Saul, we read time and time again that Saul tried to kill David. In fact, we read it here in this verse, you know, so Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David. 3,000. For one man, he wanted David gone. The envy and the jealousy was so big in his heart that he wanted David gone. So he took 3,000 young able soldiers looking for one man. You know, it seems to me that that's not the only place we read in the Bible about jealousy. Because if we look in the scriptures... We find two brothers in Genesis, Abel and Cain. Remember those guys? Cain and Abel. You see, Cain looked at Abel and saw that Abel's sacrifice was acceptable to God. And instead of going to his brother and saying to his brother, Brother, you know, I see that your your, your sacrifice is acceptable to God. How can I do the same thing? Instead of doing that, the Bible says that jealousy and envy and sin was creeping at his door. And he looked over to his brother and he said to his brother, come, let's go out into the field together. And there he killed his brother, all because of jealousy and envy. And you think to yourself, wow, that's a bad story. Let's hope that's happening in the church. Of course, we're Christians, we want to have that happen in the church. Can you just imagine going into the car park with a brother and being ended up under the car? Being run over by somebody. But listen what the Bible says. James, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desire, that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Here is a church, and I'm telling you now, this is the modern day church. Here is a church that has no power. No power at all. Well, why? Because their motives are completely wrong. They have no power because they're looking at others, and they're saying, oh, I want what he's got, I want what she's got. And they're looking at others, and jealousy and envy creeps into a church. Not saying this church particularly, but churches generally creeps into a church. And instead of them having what God wants, instead of having a desire that meets God's desire, they have evil desires for themselves. And that church has no power at all. No power, no authority, no, no prayers being answered, no, no healing, no miracles, no nothing is taking place in that church. Well, why not? Because they are so filled with jealousy and envy, one towards another. That's the church. You thought these words would never be written in the Bible, but they're written in the Bible because it is true in so many congregations. You see, jealousy can ruin your faith. Jealousy can cause you not to be able to say one nice word to somebody else. That can ruin your testimony. And that's why you do need to look at this man Saul. And I believe the church is full of King Saul's. Full of Cain's. Men and women in the church full of saying that it's got to be about me. I need my motives sorted out. I need my desires um, 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 met. That's what I want. And it's so full of men and women like that, that God's kingdom does not advance. Very serious. You need to pray yourself. Ask, Lord God, is there pride in my heart? Oh God, God, Is there disobedience in my heart? Oh God, is there jealousy in my heart? These things need to be asked truthfully of yourself. You need to ask yourself some serious questions. Because I don't want my testimony to be ruined. Pride has to go. Disobedience has to go. Jealousy has to go. And finally, as we look at this king, last and final thing was rebellion. Rebellion. Well, one of the underlining things in this man's life was that he rebelled. In fact, all of that stuff that I've been saying was rebellion. But there's one thing that we need to mention before I close. Some people never consider what they will have written on their gravestone. You know, the gravestone when you're six feet under. Do you know what you want on your gravestone? Well, I don't know what you want. I mean, I've seen some funny ones. Uh, one that I saw the other day um, read the words, Here lies the sky, and underneath, are you happy now? Another one read William Hay Junior, 1905 to 1980. I told you I was sick. Well I don't know what you will write on your on your gravestones. But King Saul will have something like this written on his. Because at the end of his life, God said something about him. Look what it was said. And that might be on his grave zone. Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance and did not inquire of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death. And turn the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. What I want you to see in that is this. He did not keep the word of the law, we know that. And he even, even consulted a medium. That's why I want to stop and speak about that for a moment. He even consulted a medium. Today, people will say, well, that's not too bad, surely. Come on, pastor, it's not too bad. If you're feeling a little bit lonely, you lost a loved one, or maybe you, you want a message from the other side, surely that's not wrong. Uh, many mediums I know are Christians. Many are, are Catholics. They're good people. Surely, you know you can't turn around and say it's wrong to consult a medium. Well, King Saul wanted guidance. That was true. Look what we read in his passage. Saul then said to his attendants, find me a woman who is a medium so I may go and inquire of her. There is one in Endor, they said. So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes, and at night... He and two men went to the woman, consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me the one I name. If this wasn't wasn't so bad, why is he disguising himself? Why is he going in at night time? You see, when men and women do wicked and evil things, they do it in secret, don't they? They don't want anyone to see them. They don't want to get drunk, the Bible says, those who get drunk, get drunk at night and those who commit um, sexual sins or adultery commit at night. There's a sense that people don't want to be seen doing things. Here we have this man disguising himself, going at night to see a medium. Some people do not know And this is where Christians come. You see, Christians, even some here today, will turn around and say, well, you know what, I read my horoscopes every single day. Why is it wrong to consult a medium? I'll tell you why. Because when you consult a medium, you're saying that God's word does not matter. The authority of a little crinkly old lady sitting on a table in dim lights. Her words are far more important than the word of God. What she says is far more valid than what God says. And so the Christian moves away from God's word And he speaks to a medium, not realizing that behind the medium is principalities and powers and demonic activity. Don't realize it. Oh, we go to a pub down the road and we sit down and as I have my beer I look across and there's another woman. Why is it always women? I, I really don't know. But here's another woman sitting behind a table. Let me finish my beer and let me go over there and sit down and consult a medium. But what they don't realize is that behind all of that, Satan's at work. You see, someone may have lost a a loved one. Someone has died in their family. And there's three areas where they may go. One, they may go to drink and and sit there and and, and drink themselves, trying to forget their problems. Another way, they may go to tablets and drugs and and sleeping tablets and and antidepressant tablets. and, And they do that because they can't cope. But another way, let me go to a medium. Let me consult the dead. Let me get a message. And the devil loves it because he knows that once he gets you into drink, once he gets you into drugs, once he gets you into mediums, he's got you. You're not going to go back to God. All of it is designed to keep you away from consulting the Lord. And Saul was put to death. God said, enough of this man. This man is, is, is running after a medium. He's running after and consulting spirits and, and demonic activity. I'm putting him to death. He's gone. His testimony was ruined. Your testimony can be ruined when you stop inquiring of God. And saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? When you're faced with the problems of life, and I want to tell you, we are all faced with them one way or another. When you are faced with the difficulties and the problems of life, what are you going to do? May you respond like the the psalmist, David. He says this, I lift up my eyes to the mountains, to the hills, For where does my help come from? My help does not come from mediums. Does not come from spiritists. Does not come from men. No, 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 no. These people are failures. Satan is behind them. Oh no, I lift my eyes to the hill. For my help comes from the Lord. He is the creator, the maker, the sustainer of heaven and earth. That's where my help comes from. Oh, I may not get all the answers. I'm going to look to God. If you want a testimony that's not ruined, and you want to walk in a life that is not filled with pride and disobedience and jealousy and rebellion, then look to God and say to him, Lord, you are my help. I like the psalm, the verse in the psalm where it says, "The The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run. That's what you need to do this morning. Run into him. When I close the meeting, sometimes we end in a song and we end in prayer and we are so quick to forget the message. So quick to say, okay, let's move away from this now and let's go and have tea and coffee and they're serving some nice cakes in the hall. Let's go in here. But the need for the church is to hold on to this message and to run into the Lord. Because I want my testimony to last longer than my life. I want people to turn around and say, see that man, see that woman? He's dead now. But he loved God. He was a servant of the Most High. Let's pray.